Glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. Thanks for being here. Talking to a lot of people this morning who kind of need some perspective today. I can tell that. No, I'm in that category. My daughter is starting, uh, London has start, started her own business um, called uh, Calling All Critters. And it's crazy. She started reading this book um, about six months ago about this little girl who was young and who had, a, who had her own business, like a lemonade stand or something. And, and she just got real interested in business. And those of you who don't know, I own my own business. And so I was trying to discourage her from owning her own business. But she, uh, she found this little book for 10-year-old girls, 9-year-old girls who want to start their own business. And she has invoices and estimates. She has partnership agreements with employees now. Um, and she had her first dog-sitting job this week. Um, it's called Calling All Critters, and it's like this dog-sitting thing. And Well, we want to encourage her and get her you know, go, moving in the right direction in terms of responsibility. And for those of you who don't know, London is an incredibly responsible little girl, more than her parents, really. Um, and we decided this would be a really good thing for her. So we thought it would be like her, her mom, or, you know, my mom and dad, or somebody we know. And, and no, it's somebody who got her name from somebody who got her name from somebody who's flying in from Chicago or from uh, Florida. It's somebody we've never met before who has one of those high maintenance, pretentious, rich dogs, you know, who eats better than I do, and um, has to have exactly the right amount of food at the exactly the right amount of time. Has to go to the bathroom. I mean, he was telling us the amount and the number of times the dog goes to the bathroom and what time it goes every day. And London's writing furiously all this down, and I thought, you know what, maybe this is a little too much responsibility for a nine-year-old. And um, so they're picking up the dog today, but this morning, um, so the dog has to get up and eat and go to the bathroom at the exact same time every day, like a lot of the men in here. And um, has to be up at the same time, and it's like way before London usually gets up. So she set her alarm last night because I said, London, one of the things about owning your own business is you don't want to make your landlord mad. You, you don't want your landlord to be mad at you, and I'm your landlord. So you don't want me to have to get up and take care of this dog in the morning, and you don't want me to have to clean up the stuff that does in the house, and you don't want me to have to do these things, or you won't be able to do this. You'll be evicted. At least your business will be evicted. And, and so she's been very careful about that. And so this morning, her alarm goes off really early, and she just woke up in this fran just frantic mode, you know, and I was already up. And I thought, you know what, I could help her, but this is good, you know, I'll just kind of see what happens. She gets up. And she usually work, moves really slowly in the mornings, but she was flying. You know, she just kind of like we do sometimes, the alarm goes up and you, off and you go, whoa, I have a lot to do. And she just went from zero to 100 miles an hour like that. And she hopped out of her bed, which is like a loft bed, and she, like, I heard her come down really hard, like, poof, you know, and shake. The dog gets running down the stairs, and it's this little yippy dog that jumps real high, and it's jumping around, and my dog, Bogey, who is lazy, fat, eats whenever the, you know, he can and goes to the bathroom whenever he wants. And he, he kind of just running around following this dog and London's running around and she's trying to be quiet because everybody else is asleep and she's just frantic. I mean, absolutely frantic. She's got to take the dog out. She's got to get the dog fed. She's got to get him the right amount of food. She's got to keep Bogey away from him. And I thought, you know what? I could help. But this might discourage her from doing this anymore. So um, I'll see what happens. And she ran outside. She came back in and she just had that look that exasperated, exhausted, overwhelmed, lost perspective on life look. Like you today. Some of you had that today when I came in. That I, I'm saying things that I wouldn't normally say. I'm doing things I wouldn't normally do. I forgot why I'm doing this in the first place. And she's only nine years old. So I stopped her and I said, London, 
Remember, the dog's name is Sterling. Pretentious dog name. Yeah, pretentious dog name. I knew we were in trouble immediately. I said, Sterling's a dog. You're in charge, remember? You're the, you're the, the human, and Sterling is the dog. So Sterling has to go to the bathroom and has to eat, but you're in charge of Sterling. And she went, which I think we could all use this morning. Now, your responsibilities look a little different than London's, but I saw it in your eyes this morning. And here's the thing. You come in on a Sunday morning, and you've got responsibilities, and you've got stuff going on, and you've got mouths to feed, and you have finances to take care of. You've got problems. You've got relationships. You've got people hurting you, and, and you've got all, all these things happen. And you have that look today that London get, got this morning. And it does the same thing to a grown-up as it does to a nine-year-old. It causes you to become something you're not. It causes you to say things that you wouldn't normally say. It causes you to make decisions that you wouldn't normally make. And it causes you, if you're not careful, to continue to just live life and survive without getting perspective on your life. So here's what I want to do today. I prayed for London on the way here this morning that my little nine-year-old wouldn't lose perspective already on her life. And then I prayed for you and, and for myself. And so one of the things we get when we come to church here and this is what we say at New Life all the time, is that God doesn't intend for this to be your relationship with Him. Sunday morning is not your relationship with God. It's not everything He wants for you. It's a good start. It's the catalyst. It's the beginning of what He wants for you. But what we really feel like we get here at New Life is we get a sense of family. We get to do life together, and we get to start over on Sunday mornings. We get to say, okay, this week is going to be different than last week. Today is going to be different than yesterday. I'm going to get some perspective. So whatever, you're, why ever, whatever reason you're here today, if your wife drug you, your husband drug you, your mom and dad drug you, whatever, or if you just kind of felt like you needed to be here, um, whatever reason you're here, this is a good opportunity for you to take a deep breath and get some perspective on your life. And so that's what we're going to do. Take a deep breath, and then we're going to jump into the very last sermon in the Stronger series. No cheering, please. <laughs> Let's pray together and uh, get a moment of silence together. God, in the quiet of this room, would you give us that perspective that we need? Would you give us be, allow us to be able to zoom out, to step back, and to look at our life, the responsibilities we have. It's so easy to look at all the responsibilities we have and put the least important things in front of the most important things. And I don't know why that is. I don't, I don't know why that's so easy to do. But it just is. So many of us, myself included, walk into this place today with the least important things in front of the most important things. And no matter what today, God, no matter what happens, no matter what is said from this stage, we want to put the most important things first. Those of us who are Christians, those of us who have been doing this a long time and have experienced a relationship with you, God, we, we put you at that, that number one slot. Partially because we know it's easier that everything else falls in place and gets into the right place when we do that. So if we've lost that perspective, God, would you give that to us right here, right now in this place so we'll listen to you and we'll make major life-changing decisions today. Things that change the way that we think and act, not just the way that 
that we get a cold chill or the way that we feel good this morning. We thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So we are in the very last sermon of, um, of a series called Stronger, um, and this, this marks kind of the end of a really huge, crazy effort, truthfully, um, when it comes to, to our effort for Stronger around here. We've, we've gone through six months of this, and it's all online. Um, hundreds of listens out there, some of you, but also people who are listening online right now who have never even been in this church before have been going through Stronger. I'm getting texts and email. I got a, a Facebook message last night from a girl who works at Burger King in Bloomington that I'd never met before that said she's gone through the whole Stronger series. And one of you, I don't know who it was, she said she knew somebody from New Life that's a member here um, and, and introduced her to Stronger. One of you introduced her to Stronger. She's never met me. And she sent me a Facebook message last night to say how much stronger she's gotten because of this series. And that is partially because of the way you guys have shared it with the community and partially because of the way God has started to make changes in us around here and made us stronger. The whole series reminds me, this week I was out running and I've been running for a couple years now and trying to get back in shape or trying to get in shape for the first time. You say back in shape, that makes me sound like I was an athlete. I never have been. But I'm trying to, you know, get back to my fighting weight. And um, out running, and I run the same trail every day. I, I, I kind of, for, for two years, I've been running pretty much the same path every day. And I, I, as I was running today, I realized I, there's these, these same holes in this path. I don't know if you have a running trail or a biking trail or something. There's roots and holes and cracks in the concrete and little things that you step over and little things you do. And I have turned an ankle, <laughs> skinned a knee, I have had that little f- moment, you know that moment where you, you step further than you think you're going to, you know, and it kind of hurts your back for a second, you're like, I thought I was going to take a little step and it was a big step, all those are all over this trail, and for two years I've been running this same trail, and I've been making these mistakes, like oops, uh, 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 you know, all, all this trip, and I realized this week while I was running that my body is just starting to find those places without me even thinking about it, oop, step over that root, oop. There's that crack again, and one, two, three, and over, and one, two, three, and around, and oh, there's the mud. Go, I'm going to move to the left-hand side so I get out of the mud and you know, get my shoes muddy, and then I'm going to move. And, and I realized this is a metaphor for stronger. This is my life. This is your life. This is what we want God to do in us, to say, God, the older I get, the, the stronger I want to be, the smarter I want to be. I want to train my body not to make the same dumb mistakes I've been making, but some of us have been doing the same stupid things we've been doing since we were 18. We've been doing the same things. We've been thinking the same way. We've been reacting the same way. When somebody says this to me, I blow up. When my wife says this, I say the same thing. I say, I'll kick you out, you kick me out, and we'll kick her out, and she'll kick me out, and that's the way we react to everything. No wonder we hate each other. No wonder there's no love in the place. But we've been doing the same thing over, over, and over our whole life. What God intends for us to do is to get better. To find those potholes, to see those mistakes, to do those things, not to dwell on them, not to go, well, what an idiot I am, I just tripped over a root. No, it's to go, don't trip over that root next time. Don't make that same mistake in that same way. But here's what we do in our lives. We learn from our mistakes in things like running and things that don't matter as much. We learn from our mistakes in golf, some of us. We learn from our mistakes in the things that don't matter as much, but the things that matter most in our life, the relationships, the job performance, those things, we, we tend to just keep doing the same thing over and over again, and we've talked about it during this series, that what God wants from us is a stronger life every day, every day to be stronger. And um, you can find all this stuff online at www.stronger-me.com or at our website, paragonnewlifecc.com. 
It's in the bulletin. Um, all of these sermons are there, um, and I'd love for you to, to go out and continue to, to get stronger with us. We're going to move on to another series next week, but what I'd like to do today is close out with some reminders of some of the things we've learned, especially over the last few weeks, and to give you a challenge today that, um, that maybe you haven't had before. And here's what I mean by that. Go ahead, Tanya. Next slide. I've been there. We've said over the last few weeks that, um, that, uh, that there are about three myths in our lives about the experiences. And if you think about your life as running on the trail, like I was talking about, and the roots and the things of all the mistakes that you've made in your life, basically what we've said is that there are reasons that we keep making those mistakes, and we keep doing those same things over and over again. And part of them is because of three myths. And I, I preached a sermon about this a few weeks ago. You can go out and listen to this. But those three myths are, one, the experience myth. There's this myth out there that says that just because I've done it before, that means that I'll, I'll get better, you know, that, in fact, there's this myth, we even say the phrase, um, you know, with experience comes wisdom, you know, and the truth is, that's just not true, that's not true, with experience, experience doesn't make you necessarily wiser, experience makes you older, <laughs> that's for sure, experience makes you grumpier, if you don't get wiser because of it, but only evaluated experience makes you wiser, so when I'm running on the trail, my mind has to go, okay, don't step there now. Why did, I, why did that hurt when I did that this time? Why did my ankle turn? Well, you stepped on this stupid thing, and you've done it three times. Don't do that next time. But here's what we do in our lives. We think just because, you know what, I dated this guy that I met in a bar, and I knew I shouldn't have, and you know what, I, I, I did it, and he was awful. He was a jerk. It hurt my kids. It hurt my family. It hurt everybody around me. But you know what, I've done that once. Won't make that mistake again. You know the end of that story. Because just, just making the mistake doesn't ensure that you won't make it again. In fact, we, we have another myth called the no better, do better myth. I know better, so next time I'll do better, and that's just a myth too. Knowing better doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have the discipline or the energy to do better. You have to do something different. And then the third myth is the time myth. We feel like we have to start over right now. Those of you who are starting over with a job or a relationship or a house or something else in your life, you feel like, I got to get going. I got to get moving. And the myth is that time's a ticking and I got to get moving now. But the truth is, time is on your side. In fact, when you're starting over, no matter what that start over is and no matter what you're doing in your life, time is actually on your side. If you can cause yourself to wait, if you can make yourself just stop for a second, if you can just step back and breathe for a second or a year. I've got a friend who has been through one bad relationship after another in her life. One bad relationship after another. And she just keeps blaming the men, you know? Well, it's all men. That's the problem. It's all men. All men are jerks. <laughs> okay, you know, I'm a man, and I mean, I'm sort of a man, <laughs> you know? And, and in the long run, that, that can kind of offend me, because it's not all men. So, you know what? You've had four relationships that have been really bad with men, and there's a single common denominator in those four relationships. There, it's you. So maybe you're not all the problem, but maybe you're some of the problem. So here's what. If you want something better, and I, I'm, I'm a terrible counselor. Please, you can come to me and I will send you to a counselor, but don't ask me to counsel you because this is the kind of counsel I give. I said, you need to stop talking about this, which most counselors say, you need to talk about that. I said, you need to stop talking about this. And I'll tell you what, in fact, I don't want to hear any more about all your bad relationships and how bad men are until you've given one year without a man in your life. Twelve months with no man got real quiet. Well, 12 months with no men, yeah, they're jerks anyway. Remember you said all men are jerks, so 12 months ought to be great without a man. Well, yeah, but I, I you know, I go, I, I, how can I go 12? One year. I don't want to hear any more about it. Let's see what happens. She's in month nine. No man in her life. And I'm telling you, there is a change in her. And I bet you, 
and three months from now, <laughs> she'll be going on a date <laughs> exactly three months from the day because she's lonely and she wants relationships and she wants to date. But she is noticing that time is on her side. She's noticing that there's, these things are surfacing in her. And I bet you that she won't pick the same kind of guy she picked last time. It'll be different. Be, he'll be a jerk because guys are jerks. You know, they're just, well, not all of them are always jerks all the time, but there'll be times when, but she'll react differently. She'll choose differently. Time is on your side. Then we, we talked about the things that, because of these myths, that we have to be really, really careful about when it comes to the mistakes in our lives. Some of you have made serious mistakes. Some of you are coming from a divorce, and you're into a new relationship, and you're, you're thinking, I, I want to do this better this time. Some of you are, are coming into a new job. Some of you are coming into a new relationship, and a new thing. I, I don't know what it might be. I know that a lot of you high school kids, junior high kids, are, are t- coming into a new, new school year. Maybe you made terrible grades last year, and and you just, you cut class, and you did some stupid things, and you're, you're getting to the point in your life where you realize, hey, this is starting to affect my future, the things I'm doing right now. And it doesn't seem like it last year, but all of a sudden, it's, I'm starting to realize this is affecting my future. And you can go, hey, here's what I'm going to do different this year. And he, here's, here's the thing that we have, here's some three things we have to do to ensure that next time won't be the same as last time. And I got a whole sermon on this, but I want to remind you of it as we get into today. We have to own it. We have to say, it might have been that person's fault. It might have been mostly that person's fault, but here's my part of it. I remember when I was in high school, I had a professor or a, a teacher that I thought was, it was all his fault that I got an F. Um, I never flunked anything before, and it was, it was all his fault, you know? And he didn't like me. My dad was a, te- a teacher there, and he didn't want me to be teacher's pet, and so he didn't like me, and it was all his fault. And anybody would say, hey, what happened in that class? I, I would start with this story about my teacher. But in the long run, I was lazy. In the long run, I didn't get these things done. In the long run, I owned a part of that. We have to own it. We have to rethink it. It means we have to think about it differently. We have to own what, we ha- what we've done about it, and we have to decide not to be a conformer, not to just let life happen to us, but be proactive. And then today what I'm going to talk about is releasing it. And I've been praying for you today because some of you in this place today have, if we could see these things, there wouldn't be enough seats in here. But some of you have this baggage um, that you've carried around your life. You know that term. This stuff that something bad happens to you and you take a backpack and you you carry it around, and maybe, maybe this guy treated you terrible when you were a junior in high school, and you don't really even think about him anymore, but the way he treated you is still on your shoulder. And then you had this job, you know, and, you, and, and the, the boss was terrible, and you don't even hardly remember the job, and that doesn't even hurt anymore, but some of the things that boss said to you, it's still, you still carry it around. And, and, and then something your dad said when you were six still kind of lives with you, and you and so many of us, if we could see it, it would be kind of like looking at the airport, you know? Just people walking around pulling things that are too heavy. Stuff hanging off your shoulders. And here's the problem. You know this analogy. You take all your baggage, and the older you get, the more baggage you get. And if you don't drop it off somewhere, if you don't let it go, if you don't release it, then you just keep carrying it. And you add it to someone else's baggage. Now, all you do in your life is handle baggage. All you do in your life is deal with your suitcase and his suitcase, and oh, here's his... Here's this mommy issue again i got to deal with. Oh, now here's the issue with trust again that she has because her XXX, five X's ago, cheated on her, and now I have to deal with this. And we just carry this stuff around, and it affects everything we do. I want to talk today about what God intends for you to do with that. We talked last week about this, or a couple weeks ago, about your sliver, about owning the things in your relationships and in your bad experiences in your life that is yours. But, you know, what we, what we haven't talked about as much, you see the blue part represents what most people say is their fault when it comes to a bad relationship, a bad breakup, a bad experience, a, a boss 
firing you, whatever it is. The blue part is your responsibility, and that's actually a, a pretty hefty share. Most people wouldn't ex even take that much of responsibility for what's their fault. But the, the other part of that, next slide, Tanya, is, is their part, <laughs> that blue part. And, and we talk about taking and owning responsibility, but what I want to talk about today is what's been done to you. The hurt, the pain, the frustration, what's been done to you. Some of you would consider that to be something God has done. And, and I don't know what your theology is, and that's not what this sermon's about today, but what I'd like for you to do when you're, when you're sitting here thinking about this, I'd like for you to look up there and, and, and think about those experiences in your life and start to think about the pain a little bit this morning. And I'd like to ask you a few questions about it. Two questions that are really insensitive, and I used to be a very careful with some of these questions, but the, more old, the older I get, the more I'm motivated by seeing change in people, and so I ask questions like this, and this is just, all right, this is going to be hard, okay? So if you're dealing with this stuff, it's going to be hard for you, but here's the first question today. How far into your future do you intend to carry the angst created by the past? And here's that word angst right there. I chose it very carefully because anger is not enough. It's not just anger. Anger is something you carry too, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the angst is, also carries with it this anxiety, this, this kind of what London had this morning, like, uh-oh, boy, this moving fast, this loss of perspective. How, how long? Now, some of you go, hey, John, this just happened to me. I need some time. And you talked about time. I, I'm not, maybe you need to cool off. Maybe you need to think about this. Maybe you need to go to the counselor and work this out. I'm just going to ask you, how long will you take this? Because if you don't answer that question, you'll never let it go. In fact, some of you are in your 60s today and still haven't let it go. Happened when you were 15, 18, 24. Now you're 64 and you still haven't let it go because you didn't ever answer this question. Here's the second question. How long do you plan to allow the, the people who mistreated you to influence your life? You go, well, what do you mean? Frank, my ex-husband who divorced me when I was 24, now I'm 61. He's not influencing me. Yes, he is. If you haven't let it go, if you haven't released it, the things that he said, the things that he did, that moment is still influencing you and the people around you. Here's what the Bible says about it. Check this out. This, the Bible goes on and on to explain, and we're going to read it here this morning, that this issue is about a decision. You know, this is what we hear all the time. This is what I hear a lot sitting at the Mexican restaurant. Um, when I talk to people about their relationships, about their boss, about whatever, it's, you know what, I'll, I'll let this go when he apologizes. When he apologizes, when she finally apologizes, when that person finally comes to me and says, I was wrong, how often does that actually happen, by the way? When he finally does, when she finally comes to me and admits what she did and, and says she's sorry, then I'll release it. Then I'll let it go. But the Bible says that actually the thing that you have right now, that thing you carry around, the baggage, it's about your decision. It's actually about your decision. Ephesians 4.26 says this. In your anger, I like that, in your anger, do not sin. Now many of you have heard this in a lot of contexts. In your anger, do not sin. So this is Paul originally saying, you're going to be mad, and there are some really good reasons to be mad. There's some really good reasons to be mad in your life. And he says this, do not, and I... I bolded it and italicized it there to say this is the Bible telling you that this is a decision for you. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Now, many of you have heard this in, in the context of marriage, and there's some things like, uh, you know, 
I remember when Risha and I first got married, I'd been a bachelor for a long time, and she came to me one day, and she said, hey, um, and she's like the least nagging person in the world, and so she kind of hem-hauled around, and she said, hey, um, there's like shaving cream and like little bits of hair in the sink. Is that something that's going to happen the rest of my life? Because like I've never had that like in the sink before. Is that something I'm going to do? And I thought, you know, okay, I, I need to, I, this has made her a little angry. And I said, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe the rest of your life there'll be a little shaving cream and a little bit of residue from my manly beard in the sink. Once a month, because that's about how often I need to shave. And we got this little argument. It was the first argument we had, really, as a married couple, and we're living life together, and she's going, there's yucky, gross man hair in the sink. And, and we went to bed, and it was like, okay, we're going to make this up. And maybe that's what you think of with the Scripture. But here's, here's really Paul's intent, because you know, the kind of anger we're talking about today doesn't get resolved by bedtime. The kind of anger we're talking about today isn't the kind of anger that you just you give up before bedtime. It's, it's, it's lifelong, some of us. It's, it's month-long. It's years-long. It's painful. But Paul's original intent in this word is not to say literally just before the sun goes down. It's to say how many suns will go down. How many days will pass before you release this? You know what that's to say? If you think about this, it's to say this is your decision. This is not you waiting for something to happen to you, waiting for somebody to come into your life. Paul's saying, this is your decision. How long are you going to wait? How many suns are going to go up and down before you make a decision to release this? Now, this is going to make some of you really mad today. You're going to say, hey, this is not my thing. This was done to me, and now I'm waiting for it to be undone to me. But you know what? You're going to be waiting a long time because it just doesn't happen. He says... Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Now, I, I want you to stick with me a little bit this morning because this is a, a piece of scripture that is really kind of convoluted in this original language. Now, if you remember, the guy who wrote this, Paul, didn't actually write it with a pen, I don't believe. Some people believe he wrote it with a pen. I believe at this point in history, Paul probably didn't write very often because it, it took some expertise and he had a lot of things to do. So he would have hired somebody or had somebody follow him around dictating for him. So it would have been somebody else writing for Paul. And as he spoke, he would do what you and I do when we talk. You know, hey, uh, First say this. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. Scratch that. Say this. Oh, no, 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 no. This. And so this dictator, the more they would get to know Paul, the more they would kind of listen to him, ran a little bit, and then summarize and I think that's what happened here. And here's what, here's what Paul says. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. The word foothold literally means opportunity. It literally means like platform. Don't give him an opportunity. But here's, here's the most interesting thing about this piece of scripture. The word devil is not the word for Satan. The Bible has, the Greek language has a lot of different words for Satan or devil or the enemy it uses at times. I don't know why we translate this devil, because really the word here is not Satan. The word here is liar. It's liar. So it can be translated. This can be translated in this way. This can be translated with replacing the word devil with the person who hurt you. Wait a minute, now this got personal. Did you know the Bible was personal? So don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't on your anger, and don't give Frank a foothold. Don't give Leslie a foothold. Don't give your boss a foothold. Don't give your science teacher, fourth period, a foothold. Don't, 
don't give your neighbor that just is mad about your yard and his yard and their yard, don't give them a foothold. Don't let them, don't give them an opportunity to influence your life, influence your kids the way you treat the people around you. Don't give them influence on your life. See, this is a a decision that's made. This releasing is a decision that's made, not something that happens to you. I'm going to give you some really practical things to talk about this, but Paul goes on. Look at this. Ephesians 4.31, just a few pieces of scriptures down. He says, so get rid of, and I bolded that again, because again, this is us doing something. I'm so tired of my Christian friends, and I'm sure you're tired of me doing it too. I'm so tired of us talking about this. I'm really tired of talking. You'd think that's not true, because I talk a lot. But I'm tired of just talking about it, and I'm tired of seeing the pain on our faces. Paul is tired of it too, and he says, get rid of it. Did you know this is your issue? This is a you problem. Get rid of all bitterness. Yeah, but John, how do I get rid of it? Because i got to get an apology first, and it's not up to me. No, no, look what he says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Look at this. This word forgiving, if you take it out of its, original, uh, uh, its religious context for a minute, and the, the word forgiveness is a word that... that religious people have sort of captured and taken hold of. But the, the original language here, the Greek language, the word is actually pardon. The word is pardon. And you know what a pardon is. You've, you've heard this in our judicial system. A pardon is when a judge looks at somebody who has done something wrong and says, you are absolutely 100% guilty of that. that you haven't convinced anybody. You didn't have your lawyer stand up and, and convince everybody that you might be innocent, so we're going to let you off the hook. You are 100% guilty. There's no question of it. But I'm pardoning you. I'm taking away your punishment anyway. That's the word. So if you add this together, don't give Frank, don't give Mr. Wilson, don't give my boss an opportunity to influence my life. Instead, take the initiative. You go first so you can go on. Take the initiative and pardon don't act like it didn't happen. Don't say, oh, well, don't, don't act like that they didn't do anything wrong. Don't act like that the, there's nothing that's still residual in that. But take what they've done and pardon it. Now, I, I'm going to say that today, and I know I can see it on your faces already, and I know, and I love you, and I know what you're doing with it. You're going to go, that sounds great. And then you're going to leave, and nothing's going to change. But I'm telling you today, this is the difference between the scowl on your face and the peace that passes all understanding. So if today you're sitting here and you're wanting that peace that passes all understanding and maybe you've been a Christian your entire life and you've never actually felt it and every time the preacher says it you put your head down because you feel like something's missing or the preacher's a liar because you've never actually felt it. Let me tell you that this is part of it. Part of the peace that passes all understanding is you doing what God did for you. Looking at your life, God was in pain. The sin that you've caused between you and God, that thing that you've done that broke the relationship with you and God, that you continue to do that breaks the relationship with you and God, here's what God did. Now listen to this. This is the amazing part of this whole thing. God took that thing and he pardoned you. And it was good for you, but it was good for him too. Because he released, now he looks at the relationship that you have with him and he dismisses, he takes that and he says, it was there, but I pardoned it. 
here's the thing. Paul says, stop telling your story. I'm going to ask some of you to do that specifically today. Some of you are still telling the story of the person who hurt you 25 years ago. Some of you are still telling the story, and you're getting really good at it, and you can even cry a little bit. And you can make people really feel sorry for you, and you can really sell it. And it makes you feel better because it gives you an excuse to not be who you think you should be and who you know God wants you to be. And so instead of getting rid of it, instead of releasing it, you just keep telling the story. I'm going to ask you today, stop telling the story. Stop telling the story because every time you sell it, tell it, you don't tell it like this, well, I did my part, you know, I, I had my bad things. You don't tell it like that. You maximize their part and you don't even mention your part. And the more you tell it, the more you believe it to be the whole truth. And then you miss what it means to be whole. See, here's the thing. God does not factor your sin into his relationship with you. Did you know that? God does not factor your sin in his relationship with you. But maybe you are factoring your son's mistakes, your daughter's mistakes, your wife's mistakes, your husband's mistakes, your ex's, your colleagues, your boss's mistakes into your relationships with them and for the future. God says, that's not the way I intend for things to be. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You're going to say, John, they don't deserve to be pardoned. And I'm going to say this, God wants the pardon for you. You deserve to be released of this. So I'm going to tell you today, God intends for you to go first. Even if the biggest piece of that pie up there doesn't belong to you, even if all of it doesn't belong to you, God intends for you to go first with a full pardon so that you can go on. Because until you can pardon, you can't move on. And then you smuggle into every relationship, all the good relationships, all the people that you love desperately, you smuggle this baggage into that relationship. Some of you not even knowing it. Some of you fully aware of it but not sure what to do about it. Now you know. And here I'm going to get as practical as I can get with this. And you have no reason not to understand this today. This is what I prayed for you this morning. God, this is off of my plate. This whole Stronger series, this whole thing has been such, um, and I, I hate the word burden because it makes it sound like it's something I hate. It's not. But it has been on my heart heavy for this community to say that, you know what, God intends for you to be proactive in the way you live your life. Not to wait for something to happen. Not to feel sorry for yourself and tell your story over and over again. But to move forward, to get better every day, to, to take major steps. And today, I am taking that burden off of myself and putting it where it belongs, on you. You need to own it. You need to own it today. Whatever it is, you need to own it. Whoever's hurt you, you need to go first, and here is how you do it. This is absolutely how you do this today. You make a list. Now, if you, if you don't do this part of it, you're going to sit there and go, okay, I forgive them, and then nothing changes. We all know we've done this. Okay, I, I pardon, and it's all done. But here's the thing. You need to make a list, handwritten list, of everything that person did to you. Every single thing that's, that's hurt you about that experience. You write down, and here's what will happen to you. You'll, the list will get longer than you ever imagined. There's more hurt and pain in you than you even know. That person has probably hurt you worse than you would even realize. And here's the thing. When you make that list, when you get that bullet point thing down, and you go, this is what I'm pardoning, now you're taking the road to release. 
Until you do that, you don't really even know what you're pardoning. So I'm going to ask you to make a list. Band, you guys can come up. I've found in my life that until you realize that you've been pardoned for all the mistakes you've made, you're not ready to pardon anybody else. And I think that's probably the biggest problem with this whole issue. And you need to know that as I've gone through this stronger series and I've preached this thing, I've have been very careful with this line of grace. <laughs> you know, that line that goes, hey, we want these people to be better. We want addictions gone. We want smoking to stop. We want overweight <laughs> obesity to quit in this place. We want abuse. We want all these things out of our lives. But at the same time, God's grace still applies to all those situations. And so I've been very careful with all this. And here's what it boils down to. That God doesn't hold your sin. He doesn't hold your sin in his hands when he thinks about you. If you're a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted the blood, that's all you have to do. You accept the gift that God has given you. Then he, when he looks at your life, he says, I see it. I'm not acting like it doesn't exist. I'm not acting like you didn't do it. I'm not acting like you're not guilty of that. I see it. You did it. I was there. You did it. I'm pardoning you. Full pardon. Some of you walked in today needing that bad. And here's the truth. If you don't feel pardoned, you're not going to pardon people who've hurt you. Maybe today's your day. Here's what happened in 2,000 years ago. People weren't much different than we are today. We like to think we've evolved and we might have smartphones, which I'm not sure makes us any better, actually. I, I, we might have some ne- new technology that I'm not sure really makes us smarter. But they struggled with the same kinds of things you're struggling with. And Paul talked to them. And Paul said these things. And Jesus said, you know what? You need to be pardoned. And a whole group of people said, yeah. And Jesus knew what I know today. He knew that if I said that, and your heart jumped a little bit. Some of you did today. You went, maybe I can. Maybe I don't have to live with this regret. Maybe I don't have to live with this pain that I've caused even. Maybe I can be pardoned. Jesus said, here's what you do. You stand up publicly. This is between you and God, but there is a public thing you can do. You can stand up today, and you can, in front of all your friends, bury your old life. In front of all of these people today, you can say, I accept that pardon. I am burying the junk in my life. And when I come up, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be new. And God will no longer view my relationship with the sin in my life. We call it baptism. At that point... The word baptism literally meant it was, a, it was taken right out of language. I mean, it wasn't a religious term. It literally meant, you know, I'm going to take a pickle and I'm, I'm, or a cucumber and I'm going to make a pickle. I'm going to baptize it in vinegar. You know, I'm going to drop it in. I'm going to wash my dishes. I'm going to baptize my dishes. And Jesus said, you need to be dipped in something. You need to be cleaned like a dish. All that stuff will come off. Man, I'm telling you today, that's your offer. It's been 2,000 years Jesus has been preaching that. And it's in your lap today. If you haven't received that today, it's your first step in getting stronger. I'm going to ask you, how many sunsets will there be before you release the pain in your life? Some of you that are older in this place have kids, grandkids who have embarrassed you, who have hurt you. I'm going to ask you today, how long will it be? How many sunsets will it be before you clean this up? You can let your past remind you. 
you know, some of you have had some terrible experiences. Don't forget about this stuff because you need your past to remind you, but don't let it define you. Stop telling your story the way you're telling it because it's starting to define who you are. Don't let it define you. Go first so you can go on. If you have not been pardoned today, don't wait another day. Maybe many of you have said it at some point or you've made a public decision that wasn't, you didn't really understand. Maybe today's the day to go, now I get it and I want to do it. I'm going to be back in that corner. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to give you an opportunity this morning to be pardoned and I'd love to pray with you to release whatever it is today, to start that path to get rid of the junk in your life. Would you stand with us and sing this morning? Thank <sighs> you.